Why is Australian real estate so attractive for many? Why do I include property as part of my portfolio? What are the pros and cons, especially for doctors? My name is Dan. Welcome to the Passive Income Doctor Podcast. Just a reminder, this podcast is for entertainment purposes. Nothing here is financial advice. Please speak to your trusted professional advisors. Views expressed by podcast participants are solely their own. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking about property investing, including for doctors. So first of all, why consider property in the first place? I guess it's not really an end goal in itself, but rather it can help on the path towards financial freedom and passive income. And I believe property investing in particularly is good in terms of capital growth and growing our asset base. And then later you can have more choices with what to do with that assets, whether it be convert to more passive um, income producing assets. And why are we trying to invest in the first place? We want it to achieve certain lifestyle investing goals. It could be to reduce the hours of work currently working. It could be perhaps to travel more or spend more time with family or pursue interests outside uh, medicine or the industry you're in currently. So let's talk about the pros and cons of property. We'll start with the pros. So it is a good hedge against inflation, as history shows. Property is very tangible asset. Some other asset classes, you know, if you buy the wrong share, you know, possibly can go to zero. However, you know, even if property, you know, did touch wood, burn down and you didn't have insurance, there's still the land value underlying the asset. Another advantage of property is the ability to leverage. You can also leverage for some other asset classes as well, but not to the degree that property can. For example, you can put a 10 or 20% deposit down for a property and the bank will lend you the rest. So you put 10% down, but then you get 100% of the asset working for you, growing in value. So for example, if the property grew 10% in the first year and you only put a 10% deposit down initially, essentially your returns are 100%. Another advantage of property is that it is seen as a safe asset, one that is less volatile. And this can be more attractive to certain investors than others. I guess it really depends on your risk tolerance. Um, Yeah, just a reminder, you know, nothing in this podcast is personalized financial advice. um, But you can kind of use these points to help inform you and you can have a discussion with your financial advisor as well. What are the pros in particular for doctors in regards to property property investing? So you can put a 10% deposit down and not have to pay LMI or lender's mortgage insurance. The banks see medicos as kind of safe borrowers with higher job security. Other professionals such as accountants, nurses may be eligible too. So just check with your mortgage broker or bank. Other people, usually, if you had 10% deposit, the banks would require you to pay this LMI, which is not an insurance to protect you. It's to protect the bank as they would see you as a high-risk borrower with just a smaller deposit 
and say if the property market went down 10 20% then the banks um, become exposed another advantage in regards to property for doctors and certain professionals is potentially a lower interest rate this can be as part of a professional uh, packages which a lot of banks do um, so that's something which is also another pro now let's talk about some of the cons of property and there are a few so one would be the tenant um, uh, management issues which from first-hand experience can cause some headaches you know unexpected bills popping up such as aircon breaking down hot water tank um, you know leaking um, I've even had you know possum in the roof causing some issues as well um, you know sudden flooding um, issues from a burst water pipe the list goes on and on and true you definitely can have a property manager to help manage these things but often they still need to discuss with you you know look at emails look at different quotes and approve also as well you can lose money contrary to popular belief property doesn't always go up um, it could be a matter of timing you know for example sydney melbourne 2018-2019 there's quite a sharp downturn but also more so than that is if you buy the wrong asset you know Property Spruker sells you off the plan apartment in a high rise with high strata levies and full of lots of renters and lots of turnover. Might not have much appeal to owner occupiers, which can also help dampen capital growth. Property is one of the assets that is not very liquid. So if you did realize you made a mistake and wanted to get out, can't sell straight away you know need to get a selling real estate agent prepare a marketing campaign go through the offer process and then wait for the money after settlement so it can be quite a slow you know kind of three six month even longer in a slower market and also as well with so much transaction costs just such as stamp duty um, selling agent fees you can argue, you know, the cost of getting in and out of a property is about 7%. So if you bought a property today and it went up by 7% and then you sold it, you would only break even after the end of the, all that. So especially for Australian property with so much high transaction costs such as stamp duty, it is very hard to get in and out for short-term profit. So now that we know the pros and cons of property, let's talk about, you know, what actually makes a good property investment. Now, this is a very controversial topic and lots of different commentators have different perspectives. But let's just talk about some of the things I bear in mind when I make property decisions. One really important concept that I've come to understand is the land to asset ratio. Often property marketers... Um, will explain to time poor doctors that you know just buy this off the plan apartment or house and land package you know it'll be brand new it'll be lower maintenance um, but we know from some of the stories you know brand new doesn't necessarily mean less um, headaches you know it might be very poor construction built 
So back to the topic on hand, land to asset ratio. So if you buy, for example, an off-the-plan apartment, one out of 30, one out of 50, you're paying the majority of the money into the actual building itself and all its internal fixtures and fittings and not so much for the land. And land is the part that goes up in value while the buildings depreciate. The property markers will explain you get a lot of depreciation with the off-the-plan apartments. You might have a rental guarantee. But it is quite interesting, the idea of um, depreciation benefits. You know, if it's losing in value and you get a little bit of it back on tax, overall is still losing money in of itself, it's not really a benefit. If it's a good asset class and you get some depreciation, as a kind of cherry on top, that's a different story. So let's talk about an case to illustrate about this land to asset ratio. So let's talk about two scenarios, you know, um, you know, two properties, both with the same purchase price at $1 million. One, we'll say Jack. Jack buys a shiny new apartment with the you know luxury finishes a block of 10 let's say and 10% of the attributable value is in the land so land value 90k and about 910k for the building assuming a capital growth rate of 10% the land is now worth 99k and we're also assuming a building depreciation rate of 2.5% um, the tax office um, uses this rate. They assume a building after 40 years, the value is zero. Land value has gone from 90k to 99k in this instance, and the building was 910k, now it's $887,500. So if you add that up, now the total value of this off the plan apartment is 986000 So you can see purchase for a million dollars. After one year, it's worth 986, so gone down in value. And this helps illustrate often why some high-rise block units after 10 years are very similar price to when it started. Let's contrast Jack buying this shiny brand new off-the-plan apartment with Jill. Jill buys an old house on the same size block of land and let's say that it's 90% land to asset ratio. So the land is worth 900,000 and the buildings, you know, a little bit dated, only worth about $100,000. So after one year, so again, assuming that capital growth rate of 10%, land is worth $990,000 and the building has gone from 100,000 to $97,500. It's already had most of its depreciation. So combining 990000 and 97500 totally it's now $1.0875 million. So it's gone up 87000 or about 8.7% overall. So the difference between Jack and Jill after one year is $100,000. And if you extrapolate that out over 10 years, or even 30 years, you can imagine the compounding difference between these two scenarios. So you might wonder, you know, is there any advantages of the units at all? So generally speaking, units have a higher rent value. 
So um, some people are attracted to the slightly high rental yield. But you also got to remember, it can be headaches with strata, not just strata fees, but also dealing with strata committees, um, you know, sinking funds. And also the strata committee may be proactive, but they may also not be in terms of approving works. We've talked about the pros and cons of property. We've talked about Jack and Jill to illustrate the important concept of land to asset ratio. Now, what is a good strategy to try and proceed if you decide property investing is for you? I would say simply three steps. Number one is education. Number two, save for a deposit. Number three, assemble your team. So step number one, education. Use the resources and this, in this day and age, there are so many out there. Sometimes it can feel a little bit overwhelming of who to listen to, what to read, who to trust. But basically, if you sample a little bit of everything, it can help determine your strategy. For example, if you're a high income earner, capital growth might be the strategy that makes more sense for you than cash flow. But again, this really depends on your um, circumstances. There's lots of online forums such as Property Chat. There's lots of good podcasts out there. There's lots of books. There's lots of mentors out there as well. But again, be careful of who you listen to and if they have any vested interests. Number two, save for a deposit. So personal finances, which I've talked about in previous podcast episodes, which I won't go through again here. And then another important thing is your savings rate. You know, if your savings rate is zero, you're never going to get enough for a deposit to purchase a property. So spending less than you earn, um, definitely a very important, avoiding lifestyle creep. Again, refer to some of the earlier podcast episodes. And number three, assemble the team. There are many people that are important for your property investing journey, including mortgage broker, solicitor and conveyancer, an accountant, also buyer's agent. Buyer's agent is optional. However, they can help, especially if you're a beginner or if you're very time poor um, and just need someone to go through that circumstances so you don't get fatigued and think it's just too hard. I keep missing out, just throwing the towel and don't properly invest at all. And then 10 years later, look back and see how much it's grown by if you had bought. And for an accountant, they are important in terms of in the beginning, they can advise on what structure to purchase the property in. So I end by talking about market sentiment. At the time of recording in early 2023, there's a lot of fear in the market with the interest rates. There is some parallels to when COVID began in March, kind of 2020, where the market just froze and, you know, I could see there were some price drops of about 10%. You know, there was lots of fear that the world was going to end, you know, and um, there were some bargains, you know. Um, for example, I saw a property in Beachside suburb of Sydney that sold for $1.8 million in, a, in the kind of height, initial fear of COVID. And six months later, on an automated valuation, I could see it was... 2.4 million so obviously this was an automated valuation but look, even looking at comparable sales I could see that the person who had bought had bought really really well now nobody has a crystal ball interest rates are likely to keep going up in the short term 
But remember, experts in mainstream media often have got it wrong. They have in the past. Um, I remember, I think it was a 60 Minutes report in about 2019, property price is going to crash 30%. And then, you know, in the next year or so, um, I mean, no one foreseen COVID and the amount of stimulus, but instead of dropping 30% in some markets, they went up 30%. So to get it 60% wrong is um, quite um, quite significant. I guess for property investing, try to go back to fundamentals and the drivers of property market, which I'll talk about in part two. From listening to other podcasts and also doing lots of research online, studying demographics, I believe the long-term prospects for Australian property are positive, especially if you look at it from a long-term perspective. Unlike many other countries, Australia is still an attractive place for immigration where we can attract top talent and people um, you know, in their 20s, 30s who are earning good incomes and contributing to the tax base for the Australian government. And basically, Australia is still an environment where the rule of law is respected, where the natural environment is very beautiful. For example, Sydney, you've got the harbour, you've got the beaches, um, national parks nearby. Compared to some other countries, there's less air pollution. Yeah, so I guess it's just a reminder to look at the long term, not just the short term. Today's Mindset Minute is, the rich buy assets, the poor have expenses, the middle class buy liabilities they think are assets. The poor and the middle class work for money. The rich have money work for them. Robert Kiyosaki, author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So this is an interesting quote, but it is a reminder about the importance of having assets and that liabilities, for example, some people might think a designer bag or you know, a brand new car on finance, thinking of it as an asset. However, if they take money from your pocket, as per Robert Kiyosaki, there's their liabilities. Thanks for listening to today's show. Please take a moment now to hit the subscribe button and share the podcast. This will help others benefit also. So until next time, keep taking steps to improve your financial health. Thank you.